All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, around the table, what, what, what is it? I was just going to say, I'm, I'm thankful that you're wearing pants today. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts today. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, perhaps you didn't catch that. I think that. it's always good that you make that clear because because every once in a while, Josh day I said, says, "Look, I'm wearing pants today." Yeah, yeah. There's so many different directions we could go with that, yes, but we yeah. won't. Pastor Jonathan Van Ugen from Dayspring, so glad you're with us, brother. It's good to be here. Is it though? Always, yes. Pastor, we, we have so much fun. Actually, off air we have it's entertaining. We always have to say, "Hey, we have other things to do, so we need to get through a few of these broadcasts." That's but, right. That's right. Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church. Good to be here. Uh, special guest host today with us, Pastor Hugh Orr from Riverside Church in Emmett, a big old Reformed Baptist church. I mean, big old like as in Reformed. Like you, you're you're seriously Reformed. Yes. In the best way. Right. That's right. So glad you're here, brother. Thanks for having me. Pastor Hugh and I actually got to serve I, together I, I, for I a few years. I guess I would have said in in the second best way. In the second best <laughs> yeah, way, because yeah, the Baptist? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah, go yeah, Baptist yeah. today. <laughs> no, this, this goes to show you that we yes, can play nicely yes. with Baptists, and Baptists can play nicely with us, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, we're not totally heretics that we baptize babies, right? Just partially? Partially. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Josh Bales from The Well Church. Um, so glad you're here today. We are talking about the perseverance of the saints. Uh, if you've missed any of the shows, um, I think it'd be helpful um, if you just go back and subscribe to our podcast. Just make sure you type in The Gospel for Life. Um, let's tackle the big one today. So we've already laid out the doctrine. Uh, we've answered um, the, the, the difference between perseverance of the saints and easy believism. But now let's let's address the question when someone says, well, what about those believers that that have fallen away? What about little Johnny? Or what about that that musician that that used to be in that band and now he's deconstructed from his faith? Or or what about that pastor who says he's no longer a believer? What do we say about believers who fall away? And you actually have some pretty prominent examples of, of oh, late, massively. Yep. I mean, the, Sadly the, so. the word deconstruction has become a very popular buzzword um, in contemporary church culture. The idea that, uh, well, I'm no longer a Christian, and, and since we have social media, it's published everywhere. Mm-hmm. So do those stories prove that a person can lose their faith? I think you're dealing with two possible um, issues. You do have the person who falls away, and their story is not yet complete. And so it could be that years down the road they will they will be restored. They will repent and come back to um, the church. Um, that at the end of the day, though they were always saved, they were living as if they were not. They were living in contradiction to the faith that they possessed. So maybe an illustration would be like the prodigal son. Yep. At the beginning of the story, he was uh, the son of the father. In the middle of the story, he was the son of the father. And at the end of the story, he was the son of the father. Though the different chapters of his life look radically different. I mean, at one point, he was in utter rebellion against his dad. And and yet, and with every sin, we become practical atheists. You know, the whole point is is that it doesn't. You know, so the length of time we stay in that uh, positional, uh, you know, activity. Um, may vary, but every time we sin, we've, we we basically are acting as if God doesn't exist, you know, we're, or it's not a consequence to us. 
And so it does take the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us back to the realization and begin to think his thoughts after him again. And then the other example is the person who grew up possibly in the church, made a profession of their faith. Um, walked the aisle. Walked the something. aisle. Yep. And then fall away, leave the church, leave, quote, unquote, their faith, and never come back. And and that's probably the one that most people are thinking about and is the most troubling. And in so many ways, the book of Hebrews is written about that circumstance. So on one level, the book of Hebrews is showing us um, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. But in an, on, a, on a different level, the book of Hebrews is written for those that are wrestling with is the old better than the new? Should we turn back to that which we left and abandon Christ for um, the ritualism, the forms of what we once had? And really the book of Hebrews boils down to those that have made a profession but may not have a possession of faith. Mm -hmm. And so really when you get to that controversial passage in Hebrews 6, what Hebrews 6 is saying, that there is external benefits from being within the church. Mm-hmm. Right. That because you're within the church community, there are certain things that are true about you and blessings that you possess because you're externally attached to the church. And if you are externally attached and have made profession – but have not actually possessed Christ or had Christ possess you, then your faith is actually an external entity to you. Mm-hmm. And that's really what is being described in, in Hebrews 6. I think this is also what's being described in Matthew 7. Mm-hmm. Those that externally are saying, well, I've trusted in Christ or I'm part of a church or I've played the the game of Christianity but haven't really known Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And some of those people may have known that they really weren't trusting in Christ, and others may have been deluded into thinking they were saved. That's right. right? And that's the danger, and that's why there are true warning passages Mm -hmm. um, saying, no, you know, Peter will say, "You, you need to test to make sure that you're in the faith. Right. I mean, that's not a throwaway because the temptation is. I mean, Jeremiah um, tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah. So our own hearts can deceive us. Our, our own hearts can tell us that we have something that we don't have. Yeah. And, and you know, um, an illustration, when Jesus told the disciples, one of you will betray me, they didn't all look at Judas at the same time and said, I knew it was him. Mm -hmm. They said, Lord, is it me? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember a number of years ago, there was a gal at our church, and if you would have asked me, hey, who are the top five Christians in your church? This gal would have been on my list. And and like within a year, she apostatized. She she left her family, and she left her husband, and she, she denied the faith. And she had all the external markers of being a true Christian. And um, that, that's absolutely sad and tragic. Um, but 
we don't I, I don't say of her well um I know that she lost her salvation going back to the two categories that you put forth either she, she will return to the fold um, because God really does have his hand on her or she never believed to begin with. And in fact, that's what scripture says, right? In First John 2, 19, they went out from us. Is that what you were going to? You know, no, you're right. They, they went out from us because they were not of it. I was thinking uh, as you were talking about the parable of the soils, there's four, four soils that are given in the parable. And this parable actually appears in several gospels. But in, for instance, in Luke 8, you know, the sower went out and sowed his seed and he sowed it. And some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it and some fell in the good soil grew and yielded fruit now when we read that as that parable of the, of the soils there's there's at least one of those that has that um, the gospel never touches there's another one that you might say they have an experience or an affection for it but um, because there was no moisture there there was no reality there it never it never produced you know the one that grew in the weeds you know it says the cares of this world choked it out um it, you know that's where that's where people are living in a conflicted way they're not they're we talked about sanctification the other week um they're not they're not growing as they should you know we can be one person can be more sanctified than the other um you know this this person is just before god but he is but his christian life has not matured uh, whereas then there's the other one that has all this fruit. Um, Douglas Kelly said, as the, minister, as the Holy Spirit ministers life in the church, the seeds of truth are spread everywhere. Even unbelievers are profoundly influenced as the Spirit ministers to his people. The Spirit ministers in answer to prayer. He ministers in worship. He ministers in the word and the sacrament. In his work among the sheep, his power is felt by all, even by those who are not sheep but goats. People who are never born again by the Holy Spirit can be touched by his tender and mighty power in such a way that causes them to break down and weep. People who never submit to Jesus as Savior and Lord are able to feel the anointed preaching of the eternal gospel of God. Thus, they have really been enlightened. They've tasted the powers of the world to come. They're in some ways made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, as wonderful as such impressions are, some are never born again. So they, you know, oh, I'm moved by the beauty of Jesus. You know, I mean, you may you might be moved by it, but you know, all you've had is an emotional experience of something. Yeah. But it's never it's it's a profession, but not a possession of yeah. Him. Yeah, this is why it's so important that you belong to a church that doesn't make the assumption that everybody in the pew is 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 a Christian. Yeah, right. And so. Hopefully you have ministers that continue to present the gospel on a weekly basis and say, um, I don't want you to just play at Christianity. I don't want Christianity to be a veneer. Um, this is something that needs to be real. This is uh, something where you need to come to true repentance and faith, that it can't be just something that is, is something that we do. It, it it has to be who we are in Jesus Christ, and and um, one of the things that motivates me as a minister is the haunting words of of Matthew seven, 
that I don't want my parishioner someday to say, why didn't, why didn't you tell me that it wasn't enough just to be around Christianity? I don't want my people to have to say someday, Lord, Lord, did we not? Yeah. I want them to be able to say that <laughs> Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior and that they had put their faith completely in him alone for their salvation. And so I would say the same to you, listener. It's not enough to just go through the motions. It's not enough to just go through going to church and have it be something external. If it's not making a difference in how you live moment by moment, day by day, I think you need to step back and ask some serious questions about whether you are in Christ Jesus or not. There's, a, there's always a sense in which we need to make an observation amongst ourselves. What am I doing just because I love Jesus? Yeah. What am I not doing just because I love him? Mm-hmm. You know, those two, th- those two questions um, begin to, you know, there is a sense in which the assurance of, of, the assurance of our salvation is a three-legged stool. There's the objective word of God. There is, the, um, there is the subjective feelings that I might have or the things that I might be doing. Um, and then there's the, the assurance that we have by the Holy Spirit that we're calling out to him, Abba, Father. How very Westminster of you! Hey, thank you. Uh, I don't. I don't always know where my sources are. <laughs> well, um, maybe just real quick. Uh, these these questions that Pastor Russ and Pastor Jonathan are asking these examination questions. Um, Doctor Joel Beakey is, is, I think, I think a master of this. Of it's called experimental faith, and he's going to be one of our speakers coming up at a Reformation Boise conference this year, along with uh, Doctor Derek Thomas. The topic is actually on the church. It's October twenty first and twenty second. Please mark it on your calendar. Go to ReformationBoise.com. You can register there for free. Don't want to miss it. ReformationBoise.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>